Amen. It was singing a while ago, we were awesome in this place, mighty God. And true he is, and he's awesome in that place, and he's awesome in that place, and he's awesome everywhere because he's an awesome God. And guess what? He's everywhere. You can't go to the top of the mountain or the bottom of the seas, the depths of hell. You can't go anywhere that he's not there. Awesome God. And if you're waiting for me to preach the paint off the wall tonight, you can forget it. But I do want to exhort you. Something the Lord began to drop in my heart about 3 o'clock this afternoon. Roughly three or four weeks ago, I don't remember exactly how long, but uh, I shared a message with you and I challenged you to pray that night and to begin to pray that God would place one, at least one somebody before you in the spirit that you could begin to intercede and stand in the gap for and begin to pray for the, their salvation. And that I told you that I wanted to challenge you with setting a goal of before the end of the year of doing whatever you could do as the Spirit of God would lead to help lead them to the Lord. See, you have to remember that you're just a conduit, but that the Holy Spirit has to do the convicting and drawing. For no man cometh to the Father lest the Spirit draws him. But you are an intricate part. You are very valuable to the growth of the kingdom of God. In fact, so much so that we're referred to as sheep of the fold. He's the shepherd. And sheep are supposed to beget sheep. We're supposed to reproduce sheep. It's not the pastor's job to grow a church. Any pastor of any church. It's the pastor's responsibility to feed the sheep. To doctor the sheep. To move them from pastor to pastor. To be there to train them and to equip them and to send them out into the world. To reproduce sheep. You are those sheep. And it's so often times. We get entangled with the cares of life. Not so much living in sin. We just get busy. And we forget. The mission. That we're on. How many of you. Can truthfully say. That you're glad. That Jesus didn't forget the mission that he was on. You know, he had opportunity. He had opportunity to not go to the cross. He had opportunity to not take that whipping at the whipping post. But he stayed faithful to the mission, even the death, burial, and the resurrection. How about you? Are you being faithful to do your part in the growth of the kingdom? I better not get off on statistics. Yeah, I will. 2% of the people in the body of Christ demand 80% of a pastor's attention. Now we don't mind, and that's what we're here for. But the truth of the matter is, 
And I like being a cowboy pastor and cowboy preacher because we just tell it like it is. Now, turn the other cheek. <laughs> but why don't you put on your big boy britches and grow up? Amen. Why don't you quit being little children on milk? Some of you are 10, 12, 15, 20 years in your walk with the Lord. And you're no more, you've grown no more than you did the first two months. Now I'm not here to fuss at you. I'm here to encourage you. Because it doesn't have to be that way. Stop and think in the natural. If you had a four-year-old child that couldn't feed itself, that had not learned how to walk, had not learned how to talk, something's wrong. That child is not healthy. Pastor Marvin and I were talking a little bit, I think it was today, about how healthy things grow. Growing things change. Are you growing? Are you changing? After all, am I incorrect in a, what I've been taught that the definition of a Christian is to become like Christ? Am I more like him than I was 41 years ago when I began my walk with the Lord? Are you more like him than six months ago when you began your walk with the Lord? Bible says for every man to examine himself and see if he be of the faith. But I want you to examine yourself tonight and say, am I spiritually healthy? Am I anemic spiritually? Am I just going through the motions? Am I just singing the songs and putting something in the offering plate and clapping my hands and showing up and being seen? Or am I a seeker of God? Do I do due diligence in the private time of my life to partake of the daily bread? Have I learned to set myself before him to seek his face? And to hear his voice so that he can speak into my life. And so that he can direct my life. And so that he can lead God and direct me into all truths. So that he can help me to fulfill and accomplish the purposes that he has destined for my life and your life to live. We don't want to run to and fro as madmen in the last days as scripture says. God is not the author of confusion. And I'm shotgunning here. I realize that. But it'll all connect in a minute. We, we, he's not the author of confusion in our lives. So why do we seemingly go in circles all the time? Why do we seemingly go around and around and around the mountain? Listen, we've encompassed the mountain long enough. It's time we go up. And ascend to the place that God is destined for us to be. Why are we not getting closer to that? It's not God's fault. We distance ourselves. We become preoccupied. We become mesmerized with things and stuff and commitments. I'm not against things and stuff. But might I remind you in Matthew it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other Stuff and things will be added unto you. Amen. 
Need I remind you of Deuteronomy 28? No clearer passage in the scriptures about hearing his word and obeying his word. And if you do, what happens? Go read it. Deuteronomy 28, starting about verse 2. It says, If you hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, these blessings will pursue you and overtake you. You can't outrun them. And he begins to list them. I'm going to bless your kids, your cattle, your crops, your barns, your storehouses, your sheep, your goat. Come on, who doesn't want the blessings of God? Well, it's simple to have. Hear his word. Do his word. Then he tells us in the New Testament, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Unfortunately, we have way too many hearers and not enough doers. That's why he said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he had sent forth laborers into the vineyard. Amen. See, the fields are white under harvest right now. It's not a thing of the future or the sweet by and by that's yet to come. It's white under harvest right now. And he's called us his witnesses. He's called us to be his voice that crieth in the wilderness like John the Baptist. Repent for the day of the Lord is at hand. He's called us to be the salt of the earth. He's called us to set forth an example that when people see us going through the same circumstances and situations that they are, they see something different about us. What is that difference? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. If it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us, it quickens our mortal body. It causes us to do things that in and of ourselves we could not. But it's all contingent upon what I sow into the kingdom of God, the ways of God, the words of God. It all is dependent upon how much obedience I walk in and not become a child of disobedience. I was talking, actually my wife was talking to somebody today. They felt so alone and that if they cried out, God wouldn't even hear them. And she had to assure them that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. If anybody distanced themselves at all, it's you. It's not him. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, real quickly, would you turn to Mark chapter 2. This is the passage of Scripture that the Lord laid in my heart this afternoon to challenge you with about being soul winners and help, helping to harvest this end time harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. In, verse, in chapter 1, Jesus had just cleansed the leper and he had told him, he says, now look, go to the priest and Live up to the law, let him examine you, pronounce you clean, let's do things the right way. But the man didn't do it, he went out and he began to publish it and to blaze it abroad. And insomuch that Jesus couldn't go throughout the towns easily anymore because people would just mob him. And we pick up in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and again he entered into Capernaum. And after some days it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him bringing one sick of palsy which was born of four. 
And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed within, wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. I want to talk to you today for just a few moments. Some of the key points that we read in that passage, of course, Jesus is expounding in verse 2, the Word of God. If we're going to be successful in reaching the lost, it's absolutely imperative that we not only hide the word in our hearts so that we don't sin against the Lord, but that we hide the word in our hearts so that we can share life from the word with those that are lost and those that are dying. It's unfortunate that so many people that love the Lord, and I'm going to go so far as even to say that they're saved and heaven will be their eternal home. It's, it's sad how little of the word of God those, these people know. Are you one of them? If you are, I want to encourage you that God is no respecter of people and that if you'll ask him to by the power of his Holy Spirit as you begin to discipline yourself, and it is a discipline, to seek the Lord through his word daily, whether it's early or late. But I know if I don't do it early, it don't get done because things always happen throughout the day. And I learned a long time ago, I don't dare try to study the word of God in bed. It just don't work. Something about the word, NyQuil, sleeping, I, you know, you do the math. But anyway, you've got to put that word in your heart so that it not only benefits you, but so that you have something to offer those that God will strategically set in your place that you can share the love of God with them. Then we see in verse 3 how they had a heart for the needy. These four men I'm talking about, how they had gone. And I've made reference to this passage of scripture regularly because it's one of my favorites. They had a heart for the needy and they had been where the needy were. And, and they'd heard about this Jesus and they'd seen the miracles that, that he had done. And so we have got to examine our hearts. Do we have a heart for the lost? For the broken? For the needy, or have we become so self-centered and so self-consumed that we have forgotten the Great Commission? Have we forgotten that Jesus is the one that says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. I've come to seek and to save that which is law. That's what brought him to planet Earth, was broken, hurting, wounded, lost people. And it's easy, brothers and sisters, that to get caught up with the busyness of life and that we cease to remember 
that we're to be about our Father's business and that we're about to imitate his life and that we should be loving one another but loving the lost, loving our enemies, praying for our enemies, blessing those that wrongfully and despitefully use us. We should be going the extra mile to reach those that nobody wants, that nobody even wants to be around, much less wants. They're the ones Jesus died for. Don't forget, you were once one of them. Amen, Marvin. Marvin got, well, he is drunk, had a wreck, knocked out the Transformer Sisters to shut down all the bars. And he was banned from them. <laughs> but praise God, the Lord saved him, delivered him, and now he's using him to shut them down in a different way. <laughs> praise the Lord. So do you have a heart for the needy? And then in verse 4, they did what they could. They brought him to Jesus on that cot. Notice that it says that they couldn't get anywhere near the door because of the people that had gathered around not only inside but outside. You know what the best church growth plan is in existence? There's a lot of church growth plans that pastors send their staffs and go to all over the country. And I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with them. But I'm going to tell you what the best church growth plan is. Get Jesus in the house. Amen. Let the presence of the living God, let it be noised abroad that he's in the house. Amen. And because he's there, you can find what you need. You've heard me share these statistics before and I'll share one more time. Then I'm going to close pretty quickly. 78% of all churches, of all denominations, listen to this, saints. These aren't just words. These are facts. 78% of all churches, of all denominations, are declining in attendance. One of the signs of the end time, there's going to be a great falling away. Nineteen percent of churches of all denominations are maintaining attendance numbers based on people coming from other churches. Unhappy where they were. Do the math. That leaves three percent of churches growing the way they're supposed to grow. That's through conversions of the lost wake up America wake up church wake up saints we are falling short of our responsibilities we're blowing the trumpet in Zion sounding an alarm in the holy mountains let all of the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is at hand says Joel listen whether you agree or disagree, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is coming soon. Amen. And we need to be doing everything that we can do to have our lamps full of oil and our wicks trimmed so that when the bridegroom cometh, we, the bride of Christ, can go out and meet him the way that we're supposed to. Don't be like the foolish virgins. 
Oh, can I have some of your oil? Can I? Sorry, I ain't just got enough for me to get there. Thirdly, they worked in faith. Notice that when they couldn't get close to the house, what'd they do? They went up on top. They began to rip off those ceiling tiles. Why? Because they had faith. They had a confidence. They had an assurance. If we can just get this poor needy soul to Jesus, he can fix him. And you know what? He can. Do you have that same bulldog tenacity and grit and confidence and faith that if you can just get that lost friend of yours that everybody says there's no hope for them. Do you really believe that if you get them to Jesus he can fix them? Because if you don't believe it yourself how in the world are they going to believe it? Don't forget Paul wrote roughly two thirds of the New Testament. He was one that carried out the execution orders of the Christians. Carried out their killing. So much so that when he got it his fanny knocked off of that horse on the Damascus Road and had that encounter with God and his life was changed. All the Christians were going, whoa, wait just a minute. I ain't too sure this ain't a trap. How are we going to know this is for real? Tell you how. Some of them says, come on, brother. Come on, brother. You catch the fish, let the Lord clean them. They worked in faith. And when they did, in verses 11 and 12, you see the manifestation of the miracle where he said to him, get up, take up your cot, and go home. And he did. But the real miracle was in verse 5 when he said, thy sins be forgiven. I want you to understand, I rejoice Every time I hear a testimony of physical healing, I shout. $200, they're going straight to hell. And then through the grace of God, yes. and they're reaching out. It's a 180. Yes. Now they're headed towards heaven. Amen. That's the greatest of all miracles. No man can save himself. It's the gift of God. Would you bow your heads? Maybe you're in this place today.